What's good, everybody? Hi, I'm Jackson Finch, and along with Peyton Taylor, and we do have a special guest today, Blake Long, the Sports Information Director at Northeast, is going to be joining us today. And while speaking of Northeast, I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to the, uh, not the University of Northeast, but Northeast Mississippi Community College for letting us use their media center today. Peyton, what's going on, dude? Look, just to clarify, a lot of us around here do call it the University of Northeast. That's all I want to say. It is the premier community college in Mississippi. But once again, thank you to uh, NEMCC for allowing us to use their media center today. I hope all of you are having an amazing day. Uh, we're excited to jump into this episode. Uh, you, you know, lately, honestly, been doing work and watching Daredevil. I've started Daredevil's new Daredevil show. Daredevil on Netflix? On Netflix, yeah. yes. Incredible show. But, you know, let's jump into our guest, Blake Long, Sports Information Director. Blake, how are you doing? Man, wonderful. Thank you guys for allowing me to be on. We are here on the beautiful campus of Northeast Mississippi Community College. We could be Northeast University if we wanted to. We could. No, we, we, could, we could pull that off. But you know what? Somebody's going to dominate the two-year level, and that's what we tend to do here at Northeast. Very nice take on that. And so today we're going to be talking about college football. Yes, we're going to be yes. talking about college football. The NCAA, uh, re two days ago, they released their official preseason top 25 uh, on NCAA.com. And what we're going to be going through, uh, i got it pulled up on my phone, so I'll kind of run point on this, and I'll get uh, Blake and you Jackson's takes on uh, the top 25. You think they deserve their spot? You think yeah. they should have been higher, lower? You know, just go all the way through it. Okay. Uh, but, you know, are y'all ready, ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, jumping right into it, we'll go from 25 to 1. At number 25 is Boise State. Of course, Boise State, y'all know they always, almost always start in the top 25. They've become, I would probably say, the premier mid-major team uh, in terms of popularity. Uh, they start off with a uh, game at Florida State in Jacksonville uh, to open up the season. Uh, uh, Brett Ripon, the, the four-year quarterback there, is gone. Uh, it looks like they're going to have all five guys back on their offensive line, so that'll be a big uh, plus for them along the side of veteran defense. It's going to be interesting. I would have to think in my eyes, UCF and Boise State are going to be the two contenders for the uh, two biggest contenders for the New Year's Six game. What do you, Blake, what do you think? Boise State's always a trendy pick, are they not? They're almost uh, the darling of the group of five since they won the Fiesta Bowl about 10 years or so ago, that beautiful play against Oklahoma. I got to say, I think Boise State always has a chance to compete in the Mountain West Conference. You guys remember just a couple years ago when they nearly went to the American Conference? Think of how good that turned out for them not to be able to do that and staying in the Mountain West. They're always going to be good, got a beautiful facility. Um, I really do think Boise State probably going to land somewhere in the top 25 throughout the year. Yeah, every time I think of Boise State, you know, you got to think of the Smurf turf. Well, while we're th what, are your, what are your takes on the Smurf turf now that I'm just bringing it up? Uh, you know – I think when I see it on TV, I hate it. Uh, now that Tupelo has it, uh, every when I've been there, it's not as bad in, in person. I think as on TV, still not a big fan of it. Yeah, it's unique, but gosh, yeah. Why it should at least be a rule they can't wear blue uniforms on that turf. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of Smurf turf at Boise State or at Tupelo. So let's move on to the next team. Boise State was at 25. Yeah, well, real quick, do y'all think they're about where they should be ranked, higher, lower? Like I, you said, they're always preseason ranked. I mean, they're always going to be a seven to nine win team. Uh, yeah, and seven to nine wins in their season, that's usually where they lay. So, top 25 right there. I mean, there's nothing bad with, wrong with that. That week one matchup is going to go a long way in determining where they end up going. But, of course, Mountain West Conference, they're going to be able to win several games in there. 25 is fair. I think they could end up higher, though, especially if they win that week one opener. 
All right, so now we move on to uh, number 24. This is a team, uh, I think it was 2012, uh, New Year's Day 2013. Y'all have a little bit of experience with uh, Tyler Russell and playing uh, them in a bowl game. Northwestern, providing mm, yeah. Pat's Fitzgeralds. Uh, I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, hey, that's been a while. But, uh, you know, uh, Clayton Thorson, again, another quarterback gone. Uh, he went into the draft, and uh, it looks like he could uh, have at least a successful career, at least a backup, maybe a, a bridge starter. He showed a lot at Northwest. But um, now they've got Hunter Johnson uh, transferring in from uh, Clemson to play quarterback. And it looks like there's a defense there that's uh, going to be returning a decent amount. They were a solid defense last year. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to be honest, uh, I've – I've always been one of the Big Ten's biggest critics. I think that league is a little bit overrated. Um, you know, Northwestern was the trendy pick uh, to make noise last year, and to an extent, they didn't really do all that much. So, in my opinion, I think Northwest might be a little bit too high to start the season. Uh, Jackson, what do you think? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Are they in the Big Ten, you said? Yes. When it goes into those conferences like that, my in-depth knowledge of that is not going to be very high. So, I'm just going to go out there and point that out. But um, them at 24, I could see some different teams, you know, taking that 24 spot. Uh, so Northwestern at 24, I mean, it's a hit or miss. Some people are going to think that they deserve it and some people aren't. I think here in the South, it's kind of less more towards, you know, the Southern teams to get a spot like that. But, you know, it's either way. I'll be honest. I'm going to say that's overranked. I think that, uh, you know, Northwestern – it's kind of that middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. And if they were in the SEC, I say they go less than 500 every single year. That's personal opinion. Um, I'm like you, Peyton. I think the probably slightly less of the Big Ten than the nation, the national perspective is. Um, but I, I do think Northwestern, they may end up winning eight, nine games because of the Big Ten schedule, but I still think that 24 is higher than what they should be overall. Yeah, I think any team outside of the SEC, if you put them in the SEC – I don't think they would be as good. I mean, you got like Clemson, like the perimeters. Yeah, they're different. The, the premier teams definitely. Yeah, you but put the, them in, they're just going to compete with the best. Yeah, but the ones you like, like the Boise States and the Northwesterns at the bottom half of the top twenty-five. If you throw them in the SEC, especially the SEC West, they're not winning over eight games. Well, I think we, I, I think we can all agree here. But let's clarify. This is a question that's asked all around the country, uh, except for people that like to deny it. The SEC, I think we can all agree, is the best conference in college football. No doubt about it. There is no doubt. It's but. Not. The question is, I want to ask y'all real quick before we move on, who do you think is the second best conference in the country? If you're asking me right now, I'm going to say the Big 12. I, I know defense is optional. Yes, it is. I'll agree with that to an extent. But at the same time, you can't deny this. Uh, you know, they boast a team like Oklahoma that was able to drop, uh, I believe it's 42 on Georgia a couple of years ago, and Georgia has one of the best defenses in the nation. Even if they don't play too much defense uh, down in the, the southwest region, they definitely could put points on the scoreboard. And in college football, that's all you got to do a lot of times to be successful. Yeah, I would say either the Big 12. It would be the Big 12. The ACC obviously has Clemson, and they have hit-or-miss teams like Florida State. You know, it's going to be good one year, not good the next. But I would not sleep on the Pac-10. They've got some good teams out there out west. Or the Pac-12. Pac-12. Hard to argue against the conference that boasts the defending national champion. I would go to the Atlantic Coast Conference. They're still here in the heart of the South. They still get the heart of your recruiting bases. And, yes, the Big 12 is in the heart of recruiting when, because they have the entire state of Texas to draw from. But the ACC still gets Florida, the eastern shoreline. You've got good football in South Carolina, North Carolina. 
I still think you've got to go that because uh, hard to argue with the defending national champs, the Clemson Tigers. It's really the SEC versus everybody else, if we're being totally honest. I know we're from the South, but I can I think any a lot of people would tell you that's in this country. Well, I'd completely agree with that. But, you know, moving on now, we get our first SEC team actually right now. At number 23, we get Missouri. Uh, you know, interesting pick to put Missouri in the top 25, uh, not only because of what they lost, but also – postseason ineligible this year. You usually don't see those teams, especially starting a ranking. You know, there's teams like Ohio State in 2012 when they were bowl banned, but they went 12-0. and At that point, in a, in a poll that doesn't decide whether they go to, a, you know, to the national championship, you can't leave them out of the top perimeter of that. But, you know, for Missouri, a team that's already got some question marks, losing Drew Locke to the NFL draft, and you, you rank them that, that, you know, in the top 25 to start the season – I'm not sure about that. You know, you have, obviously, uh, Kelly Bryant coming uh, to play from Clemson after losing the job to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you got uh, – they return uh, Larry Rotundi the third. He rushed for about 1,200 yards last year. Um, You know, and their schedule, it sets up – we went over that in the, you know, the, the last uh, – and when we talked about the SEC football preview in episode two, you know, they've got South Carolina and uh, Kentucky early on before they move on to Georgia. So their schedule sets up pretty quite nicely. But uh, th- this is one of those teams I think I could definitely see starting about 6-1, and 5-2. and two. They get a lot of buzz. Uh, and then a hard schedule hits them in the end. I could definitely see this being one of those teams. My take on Missouri is you have a team like that that, you know, is going to go from, you know, seven to nine wins, you would think, this season. And I, in personal opinion, I mean, I'm a State fan, yes, but, I mean, y'all can both agree that – State's going to go probably from seven to nine, seven to nine wins, somewhere in that range. But I think why Missouri's in this top twenty-five ranking, Mississippi State's not, is because Kelly Bryant. I just think he's uh, such a bigger name in his story transferring from Clemson. I just think that put them over the edge, getting to the top twenty-five. I would have rather seen Mississippi State in this spot than Missouri. I'll be perfectly honest. A lot of question marks about teams that are on probation, and we've just seen this with Ole Miss the last two years. How do these teams play for their coaches? They're playing for pride pretty much. So do they really care about that? Are they going to go out there and act like a bunch of individuals trying to make their name for the NFL draft? Do they even care really about playing for the Missouri Tigers? And Ole Miss, you could ask the same questions for the last two years. It'll be interesting to see where this program comes out of after their uh, ban is done, after their sanctions are over with. Um, But Missouri, like you said, and it feels like this is a question for you guys. Do you think when it comes to – transfers, quarterback position. Do we put so much stock in the quarterback about ranking these teams? Or is that just, you know, maybe a trend with Missouri? Or is that a trend overall? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, You know, people like to, uh, you know, like, for instance, we talked about it, of course, last week. uh, And I talked about it an extent and went on a little bit of a rant. I'm a Giants fan. I know, you know, people, and don't get me wrong, I know Eli, for, for instance, is at the twilight of his career. But I still think he's around a top 20 NFL quarterback with one of the worst offensive lines in football. People put too much stock in it. Of course, it's a little bit easier in the college game to get behind without an offensive line because usually those quarterbacks are more mobile. But it's still too much stock, I think, putting in the quarterback saying, uh, you know, like for instance, I'm not saying he's not going to be awesome. But for instance, I've heard a lot of Mississippi State fans talking up Tommy Stevens when we haven't really seen him play a meaningful down of football yet. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Peyton. The the role of the quarterback now to the media is just so important. It is important. I mean, the quarterback, you know, he's he's your guy on offense. But, I mean, I the media overhypes that so much. 
And I and I do think like with the transfer of Kelly Bryant and the transfer of Justin Fields and Tate Martell as well. I mean, those those guys just get so much hype. I just think because I mean, do you honestly think that Tate Martell going to Miami is just gonna revolutionize their team? Absolutely not. But that's it, what the media – when I'm reading, that's what it's, you know, Tate Martell comes to Miami, okay, well, now Miami's a contender. No, no. I mean, this is a team that was supposed to be a contender last year. They get thrashed by LSU week one, go seven and five, and then end up in, uh, I think, the pinstripe bowl. You know, it's – you put too much stock in the quarterback position on teams that aren't that great, and then you think a quarterback's just going to transcend them. It's like the Texas A&M teams with Johnny Manziel. They were okay. But Johnny Manziel made them good. He made them national news. Besides them, they would have been a seven and five, six and six team, and it showed when old, you know, Ole Miss never beat Manziel. They had two years in a row when they should have beat Manziel. Uh, but Mississippi State put them down. Uh, Bama put them down after they had figured out what Manziel was about. Uh, they never even touched LSU either one of those years. Uh, you know, it just shows that we put too much stock into the quarterback position, especially on uh, iffy teams. We like to think, well, who's a quarterback? But, you know, we got we got to move on if we're going to get through all these. Number 22, Michigan State. Uh, Mark D'Antoni. Uh, you know, Michigan State, like you said, they're another one of those teams that they seem to bounce in and out of the top 25. They have they have to reload. It takes them reloading years, unlike Michigan's and Ohio State's, where they can just instantly get new talent. They have to build their talent. They're going to have one down year and then two good years. I think they're on the rebound a little bit this year. Um, again, last year they had one of those down years, but – they return the quarterback. Uh, the defense keeps a lot, uh, and they'll be solid as they usually are with D'Antoni being such a good defensive coach. I think 22 is about right for him. I see him about at eight wins. I think that's a good spot for Michigan State. Yeah, where is uh, – just off the dome, where is Michigan at? Are they top ten team? Uh, yeah, they're going to be in uh, – well, they're going to be close to it. Yeah. I'll, I'll look in just a second. This that Those teams right there, Michigan and Michigan State, these past couple years have been very equal in my eyes. But um, but yeah, Mich- and of course Michigan's gonna get the upper hand, you know, and get a higher ranking than Michigan State. But like you said, you know, they're good one year, and then they're bad for two, or you know, vice versa. But what they're at twenty two, that's a pretty good spot for them. Like the job Mike D'Antoni does, he may be one of my favorite coaches in the Big Ten because he lives in Michigan's shadow, the shadow the media creates over Michigan because they're again Michigan Ohio State's one probably if you had to get right down to it, ESPN's favorite rivalry is the Iron Bowl. Um, and they year after year, they end up winning football games. Michigan State does. I think 22 is a great number. Don't be surprised if they're higher than that by the time the year's done. I think that um, with Michigan, you know, the big game with Ohio State, how much that gets hyped up, I think that Michigan State's, you know, has got found their way to squeeze, you know. Michigan, they're looking for the Ohio State game better publicity. They want to win that. And Michigan State, when they play that game, they're just sneaking in right behind them, and that's how I think they get a few of those wins recently. Absolutely. And uh, I saw where Michigan is. We're going to have a lot to talk about when we get to them. 21, Virginia Tech. Justin Fuente uh, back in his second year at Virginia Tech. Uh, No, rather, third year. And, um, you know, of course, they had the embarrassing loss last year to Old Dominion. Uh, You know, the team they definitely should not have lost to. Uh, They return uh, Ron Willis at quarterback. Uh, they he has a decent uh, receiving core around him, but the defense obviously last year was not very good, uh, and they're going to have to be much better on the defensive side of the football to make any noise. I like Virginia, honestly, in the ACC more than I like Virginia Tech this year. I think they're a more solid team. I think they return, return some decent pieces as well. 
So I'd probably pick them to uh, to make more noise in the ACC. But, of course, Virginia Tech, Justin Fuente, he showed it at his time at Memphis. He's a good coach. Uh, don't be surprised if he has them lurking in the top 25 all year. Uh, for as much as this is worth, I played Virginia Tech in NCAA Football 14 on my PlayStation 3 the other day, and they did not look too shabby. EA, I, you're not listening. Bring it back. We want Bring it back. Bring it back. But as much as that's worth, they didn't look too shabby. Their offense looked uh, very pass first on the game. So, you know, as long as their quarterback, you know, is accurate with his arm down the field, I can see them, you know, being a, a like I said, you know, seven to nine win team. They're good for between six to nine wins a year. And they usually play in some high-profile games. I like you, what you said, Peyton. Justin Fuente did a great job at Memphis. I like the culture that he surrounds his program in. I think Virginia Tech's very fair in that spot as well. Well, now we move on. Uh, I think this is our first big talking point. Number 20, Nebraska. Nebraska, 4-8 uh, and eight last year, now in the top 25. Uh, some have even projected them to be a top 15 team and be representing the Big Ten East. Well, I know you've talked to me about the hype. Do I buy into the hype that they're they're the favorites in the Big Ten East? No, I don't. Do I think they could be a top 25 team? Yes, and here's why. There's a team, of course, 4-8, and eight, but if you go back and look last year, do you know what their record was in single possession games? One and five. There are five losses they were in, you know. In a, so that takes you from four and eight to nine and three if you turn around and win all those games. So, I mean, this is a team that has the potential. They're going to be better in year two under Scott Frost. I see them – I do see them as a top 25 team. I see them being around 93. I don't see them representing the Big Ten East. I mean, we saw what uh, Scott Frost did at UCF. He's obviously a good coach. I don't know what their recruiting class they're bringing in this year. I don't know how it stacks up. But if you just give them time, I don't know if year two is the year, but if you give them time, Scott Frost will get that university where it wants to be. Agreed with your point. I think you give him time. I don't know if they're top 25 this year. I do think they'll at least break 500 and get into a bowl game. I do think that program will continue to trend up. I just don't know how much upward will it be this year. Will it be to the point where they represent uh, the Big 12 East in the conference championship game? I'm not certain. Uh, could be. I'm not buying that yet, though. All right, moving on quick. This is Blake's uh, This is Blake's team, number 19, UCF. The uh, – would you like to introduce them for what they are? The, the Central Florida Golden Knights uh, two years ago are the national champions of college football. They have a banner in their college football stadium, which was a beautiful stadium, by the way. They have a beautiful campus. I visited there before. Um, they are ranked too low. They beat, should have beaten Alabama, should have been in the playoff, should have been given the opportunities. Don't turn the mic away from me just yet. <laughs> I can go on about this for a little while longer because they should have been there, should have been given the opportunity. To my point, if UCF two years ago didn't get in the playoff, there will never be a group of five team getting the playoff. I think they should be raised higher. Give me the UCF Knights all the way. I agree. I agree with. Uh, I agree definitely with that. If they weren't going to get in two years ago, they no group of five teams ever getting in. Um, you know, of course, like you say, to your credit, the NCAA in the record book does officially recognize UCF as a national champion. They're not national champions, but they're recognized as it. You know, the NCAA has in their record book co-national champions Alabama, Central Florida. They are the national champions. It's in the record books. It's essentially a participation uh, <laughs> certificate. If you, if you want to be honest, it's basically the NCAA saying, "Here, shut up and take it." Okay, but uh, overall, we'll get off them really, really quick. First off, uh, how's their quarterback's knee? I, 
he he's recovering a little bit, but uh, uh, Brandon Wimbush, uh, he from Notre Dame, he transferred to UCF, so it'll be him and Daniel Mac, uh, or sorry, Daryl Mac Jr. Uh, competing for the job. Mac Jr. did a great job last year filling in. Uh, nearly took down LSU in the Peach Bowl, or yes, it was in the Peach Bowl, I believe. Um, no, it was the Cotton Bowl, rather. Sorry, I, I think I think that's a good spot for him. I think that this is the year they finally. Uh, take a loss in the regular season. I don't know who, but I, d- I just don't think it's going to last three years in a row going undefeated in the regular season. Um, but, you know, I still think they win the ACC or the AAC. But now moving on to number 18, Iowa. Quickly going through them, uh, Nate Stanley br- comes back. They bring back all three uh, top running backs from last season. They lose uh, they lose uh, Font and the other uh, tight end. I can't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Both to the NFL draft, one of the best uh, – one-two tight end uh, combos we've had in college football in a long time. You know, I think they're going to be still be pretty good on offense. Defensively, I was always stout. I think this is a team, again, I think the, I could see them rising. Uh, I could see them representing the Big Ten East this year, um, and they'd probably be my pick right now to do it. It always seems like I was either a top 25, or if they're not in the top 25, they're a solid team. It just, you know, recent years, it just really feels like, you know, they always find a way to get the job done. So they're at 18. They're at 18. I don't know if they'll finish there, but, you know, start them, start them off right there, you know, with a tragic out bowl, big uh, bowl victory over the Bulldogs last year. It's okay for them to be at 18. What a win that was, was it not? I tell you what. It was tragic. That, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a program that consistently you may not respect them, you may not realize them, but they they find a way to win games. I think 18 may just be the start for them. I could see them creeping. I don't know. think they're a top 10 team. But I think they could be between 10 and 15, 40 years back. They do replicate the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Hey, you, can, can I pull out the bias? we got two Ole Miss guys, one state guy in here. Uh, i got to ask Jackson in the Outback Bowl, how did it feel to be the one team, uh, you know, all year when they haven't tested anybody uh, throwing the football, they decided to test you all and burn your secondary all game? It, I mean, it hurt my heart. It did. I felt really good going into that game. I, you know, like most people do, I over, uh, I slipped on Iowa. But, I mean, give credit to them where it's due. They ended up winning the game, and I'm still kind of bitter about it. But Joe Moorhead, year two, we're going to get it done. Look, so. I, I have to get my shots in because if we're going to be honest, 35 and thir- 35 to 3, I'll say it. Hey, this, we're coming back this year. <laughs> no, we're not. But, uh, uh, okay, now uh, number 17 – this is a team I get very frustrated about all the hype for them. Auburn, number 17. I'm going to say it. I said it in the preview episode. I'll say it again. Auburn, in my opinion, behind Michigan, is the most overhyped team in college football. Them in Tennessee. I think Auburn's much more hyped up than Tennessee. Every two years, you hear about Auburn's finally going to dethrone Alabama, go to the SEC championship, possibly be a playoff contender. I'm sick of hearing it. I still hear it this year because you hear now uh, that, you know, Auburn, you know, they can get uh, they can get a guy that fits uh, Gus Malzahn's system a little bit better running the football because that's what Nick Marshall was able to do when they went to the playoff. You know, I just I'm, – I'm sick of the hype. Like I've said, I'm not going to buy into it. I think it's too high for them right now. Prove it. Win football games. Be that contender everybody says you are before you're going to get the hype. I mean, everything when I hear on – everything I hear on Auburn right now, it's all relying on their front seven. It's like every year – they're all talking about, well, their front seven, you know, their front seven so good and all this stuff. Like you said, they've been down the past couple of years. Prove it to me that you're, you know, a top 15 team in the nation. Then we can talk. Auburn is not the most overhyped team in the SEC. That would be Tennessee. Um, however, that I being agree. said, 
Auburn has been overhyped the past couple of years. Are they one of the top 20 teams in the nation? That's quite possible it could be this year. Because, let's face it, they are in the SEC. They're in the SEC West. They're going to play games. And I can see them winning. I can see them going 8-4, and 9-3. and three. Do I see them having a better front seven than Alabama or LSU? No. Let's be honest. I don't think they're in that upper echelon of teams. But 17, eh, I think this year may be fair for Auburn. We'll move on to 16. Hot take. I think Tennessee's closer to nine wins than six wins. No, negative. I, they're closer I, to six I think, wins. No. I, I I do, but we'll get we'll move on from that. Number sixteen, Wisconsin, another Big Ten team. Uh, you know they've really dominated the bottom sixteen to twenty five. It seems like the Big Ten uh, of this ranking. You know you bring back obviously Jonathan Taylor. Uh, anybody, either of y'all want to guess how many yards he's ran for combined in the last two seasons? No, I'm not going to guess. Forty two hundred yards. Because my guess was that, nowhere near close. That's, to That's that is an incredible uh, production from a running back. Uh, you know Wisconsin loves to run the football. Uh, Alex Hornerbrook is gone at quarterback. He had uh, finally uh, last year. Of course, the team wasn't as good, but he kind of imp- he improved every year. He's at Wisconsin. I just think uh, you know they're going to have to fill up that quarterback spot. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to have to get some help, uh, otherwise he's going to run for empty stats and not win football games. I-, I think right now I'd say this is a tad bit too high. I think Wisconsin probably does finish in the top twenty-five. I think 16 is just a bit too high for them to start out. Wisconsin is like one of those. It's just like an Iowa team. You know, they're constantly in the top 25 polls. They constantly get, you know, six to seven, eight, nine, ten wins a season. And you said they're at 17? Is that where they're at, 17? Like you said, I mean, that could start off a little bit too high. But like I said, they're going to they're gonna end the season in the top 25. 16, by the way. 16, 16 my apologies. Wisconsin. But they will finish the, t- the season in the top 25. Uh, I think they will, too. Um, again, the quality of the competition they're going to play. Um, Wisconsin's another team that uh, I, I just think goes out and performs pretty well. You know, they have great crowds, a great atmosphere in their stadium. I can see them – 16 is just about perfect, maybe a little lower. I can see them trending downward a little bit, but 7-5 and five is probably pretty good for them, if not 8-4. and four. Yeah, I think, I, like you said, 8-4, and four, maybe 9-3 is where I can see them because the East is so open. Anybody can beat anybody in, in any given day. Uh, one, two, uh, six in that conference. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Now we move on to number 15, which is Utah. Uh, Utah, you know, they're uh, no Rich Rodriguez. Wait, that was Arizona. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Rich Rodriguez. I got Ole Miss on the brain now. Uh, you know, Utah, they uh, they played Pac-12, for the Pac-12 title last year against Washington. Um Came up short in that one. I believe it was twenty-one to seven was the final score of that. And uh, you know, I could, I could possibly see uh, you know Utah playing again for the Pac-12 title. And here's why: they avoid Stanford and Oregon out of the out of the Pac-12. You know, that's big uh, for them to avoid those two. As I think those could be. Uh, that's definitely going to be two of the three best. I think they might be the two best depending on what Washington does. Uh, you know, they'll have Jacob Eason, and they actually come up pretty soon in this ranking. Um, Don't forget Washington State. Washington State, they don't have uh, – you, you want to fill us in on uh, the Northwest? Uh, yes, Gardner Minshew would be the former quarterback for Wazoo. Um, a great uh, athlete. Uh, I think he was taken by the, the Jaguars maybe, something like that maybe. in the NFL. Um, so forgive me if I got that information correct. He was taken in the NFL draft, though. Um, and he, of course, uh, was the perfect fit for Mike Leach in Washington State. As far as Utah goes, getting back on topic, 
I, one of my favorite college football games of all time was when Utah beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and that's getting on in about 10 years ago now. But a phenomenal game. I'll always have a special spot in my heart for Utah because of that. Um, Utah at 15, though, I'm going to say a little bit too high. Again, like Jackson said a minute ago, with Auburn, prove it to me. Prove to me you're a top 15 team once again now that you're in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, I, I I do think 15 might be a little bit too high, but I do think they re- represent uh, their division in the Pac-12 again. Um, you know, Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss, their top quarterback and running back return on defense. Uh, they're still going to be pretty solid like they were last year. They return a lot. There's a team that returns a lot. So, I think, uh, you know, they're going to be in the top 25 all season, and I figure they'll probably be representing their division in the Pac-12. Uh, now moving on to number 14, uh, Washington. That's why I said coming up quick. Uh, you know, now Jacob Eason transferring, losing the job to Jake Fromm after he got hurt. And uh, to settle the controversy between uh, some f- people that still like to say it should be Fields or Eason, no, Fromm is the guy at Georgia. There's no doubt about it. When he when he took him and won an SEC championship and got him in the playoff, there was no doubt that Fromm was the guy to lead that team, in my mind. I don't know, I don't know how you could argue against the guy that took you to the national championship game and was about to win you a national championship game if you don't give a give up a second at twenty six. I was telling my dad the other day. It seems those guys that start as freshmen, just like Jake Fromm, it seems like he's a junior. But I swear to you, he was there in two thousand eight. It seems like he's been there for so long. I didn't know Jacob Eason transferred to Washington. That's a great get. Eason that year that he played as a true freshman was fantastic. So I think that's a great get for Washington. You know, we'll, and we'll talk about. I'm going to get into Washington as a team more, but let me say this, and I want y'all to elaborate on it a little bit. And that's in that stat class coming up next year, with essentially what most people think was Brom, Tagovailoa, Eason, and others. Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens. Uh, if <laughs> he got, if he, if he somehow <laughs> gets up that high on the boards. Miracles. Justin Herbert from Oregon. From. I think Fromm's my favorite quarterback out of that draft. I think he'll do the best besides Tua. Tua's just, you know, crazy. I think I think Tua's slightly overhyped. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good NFL quarterback, but I don't think he's the savior everybody thinks he I is. I think Jake Fromm it will be a very good NFL quarterback. I think so. Uh, winners do well in the NFL, and he's a winner. He is. But, you know, getting into Washington as a team, uh, they're going to have a chance with Easton to repeat in the Pac-12 as well again. Uh, they returned four starters on the line, which is really big for you know a quarterback coming into his first year in the system. Um, defense, uh, they have a lot of new pieces. Uh, they lost about seven or eight starters, um, but you know this is a team that they're going to have a solid chance to do a lot of big things next year. Blake, do you want to give your take? It seems like you know. Uh, let, it seems like you know about a lot about the Northwest. Do you? But the Northwest, I do. I've enjoyed my trips to the Northwest of the United States. Um, and Mike Leach, I'm here to tell you, Mike Leach may be my favorite college football coach. Wazoo, though, I'm here to tell you, they may. I'm telling you, the Pac-12 is interesting this year, is it not? There's some good athletes, some good quarterbacks. I think that Oregon's going to be back. I think Washington's going to be good. I'm interested to see how Washington State rebounds after losing Minshew and some other pieces. So I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see how the Pac-12 goes this year. Uh, I just want to say before we move on to 13, how much would you pay to be able to sit in a Mike Leach's class at Wazoo? Like $5,000. I would pay so much money. Just to, I would pay a whole tuition to sit down for that one class. <laughs> I'm too poor to do it, but I'd love, love to hear that. And I've got to get one of his books. They look fantastic. Moving on to 13, Penn State. Let me start off. This is too high for Penn State. Now, I think James Franklin is one of the most underrated coaches of college football. I think he is. 
that's too high for Penn State. They they don't you know uh, they lose Miles Sanders, they lose Trace McSorley, lost Tommy Stevens mm. uh, to transfer. This is a team with a lot of questions. Uh, they got Sean Clifford, the projected starter at quarterback. Um, the defense they return a little bit on defense. Uh, it, that's going to be a lot. What it, it seems like uh, NCAA.com says leading them the way. Um, you know they they bring in a five star defensive lineman. Uh, uh, Named uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have a shot to do some decent things. Uh, you know, I I, th- I think Penn State I, they could finish l- like twenty to twenty five, top twenty five, but thirteen is too high for Penn, Penn State. Penn State's just one of those teams that has a big name and gets a good recruiting class. And if you do that, you're gonna get a top fifteen ranking. And so they have they've done that again with like you said they got a five star I don't know what their ranking was you know in total of everybody like in according to the like two forty sevens and rivals and stuff like that but I mean you just got to look at their name and they have been very good over the past few seasons you know they lost Joe Moorhead hate it for him but um you you have them they're at twelve <laughs> correct thirteen they're at thirteen, 13. Jackson. They're at 13. um that that. <laughs> <laughs> that seems a little high. Like I said, I can see them finishing at twenty through twenty-five somewhere right in there. Oh, <laughs> hate it for you. Hate it for them. I hate it. For I hate him. it for y'all having an overrated head coach. But well, he's not. Well, you're two. Give him time. I who's, love Joe Moore. Who's Penn State's quarterback this year? They don't have one. We took it from him. And your head coach too. Bless their hearts. No, Penn State is still perfectly <laughs> fine without Jordan Moorhead. James Franklin is a very good James coach. James Franklin is I will give you that. one of the greatest coaches in college football. He's a great motivator. Uh, he was the perfect hire for Penn State when they needed somebody to clean up that program and to create positive PR for that program a couple of years ago. I can't speak badly on Penn State because I loosely know somebody who played for Penn State a couple of years ago. So shout out Nittany Lions. I'm picking you in the top 15. Real quick, have you seen uh, Keegan Michael's Key's impression of James Franklin? I don't. It is hysterical. You'll have to look it up. I'll have to definitely look that up. But real quick, can I just can we all agree? Do do y'all miss James Franklin Vanderbilt? No, because they were a much better contender with him. That's true. Like That's I mean, true. I hated it because I felt you know more Vanderbilt's scared about the Vanderbilt game. But I mean, and man, baseball and basketball. James Franklin Vanderbilt beating uh, beating teams like Georgia and Florida. It was just it was fun to watch. It Team, was fun to watch teams, teams. Teams in the SEC for football like Vanderbilt and Kentucky. You just don't lose to those teams. And if you do, I don't care how good they are. It's pathetic. When we lost to Kentucky last year, my heart was ripped. Kentucky was a good team, but they you don't lose to them in football. Hot take. I mean, for. For a team that beat Penn State and Trace McSorley in the Citrus Bowl, that's a very hot take. Well, yeah, just, I just gave you one. You're just it's steaming you're over You're just here. stepping on Kentucky right now. Number 12, Oregon. Whoa. Okay, whole, okay, number 12, Oregon. Okay. Justin Herbert obviously comes back for a senior year. I love that move. It's nice to see a top quarterback prospect decide, I need another year of work in college. Let me come back and try to win a national championship. I like seeing that. It's good for the game of college football. Um, you know, they won nine games last year. Most people see them as Washington's biggest uh, threat in the Pac-12. I I see them as the favorite in the Pac-12. That's me. I think their defense has gotten steadily better. If Justin Herbert stays healthy, unlike he could, he didn't wasn't able to do as much last year. I th- I think this is a team that can win eleven games. I, I at, at their peak. Now I think twelve is a really good spot for them to start out because they got to prove something. 
But honestly, I could see this team being a late uh, college football playoff contender. I'll tell you this. Oregon will have more uniform combinations than wins. I think that's accurate any year, uh, though, Jackson, because they can claim with any helmet tweak or anything like that, a new uniform combination. Shout out to Nike for being able to yes. do that. Uh, Phil Knight. <laughs> definitely so. Uh, however, I'm going to say they m- are one of the favorites. I'm going to say Washington is in that group as well. I don't think UCLA or USC make the noise to win the Pac-12 this year. Um, so, but give me Oregon. They're right up there. I'm going to say Oregon and Washington will be both worthy of a top 15 bid, if not top 10 before the year's done. Now we move on to number 11. Oh, Jackson, you're going to have a field day with this one. We just talked about him earlier. Texas A&M. Yes. Texas A&M at number 11. Uh, you know, I think we can all agree they're definitely going to be better than they were under Jimbo year one. I, I think we can all agree with that. Uh, you know, the schedule, though, is brutal. It is. You you have road trips just alone on road trips. Clemson, Georgia, and LSU. Three of the top ten hardest places to play in college football. That, that, you know, that's uh, – I would say that's three losses right there. I don't see them beating any of those three. If they do, it's LSU. And then Bama has to come to College Station, of course, like every year. This is a team that, it, as brutal as the schedule is, I I probably say they go nine and four again, just like they did last year. They go eight and four in the regular season, win their bowl game. I think they're a much better team. They they have a terrible, terribly tough schedule this year, though. But they're they're going to be better. And eleven, it's fine for them to start out, I think. But I don't see them finishing there just because of being nine and four. I think they finish around the seventeen, eighteen mark. Well, eleven's too high. I'll give you that. Eleven is too high. They're basing that off their recruiting class. Dude, they did have a top five recruiting class. I'll give you that. Jimbo can recruit. But the thing about Texas A&M is I'm not buying it until Kellen uh, Mond leaves. I'm not. He's just not. He's just not. You know, he Last year, he started off good. It seems like Texas A&M always starts off good and gets worse as the season goes, and that's just my opinion. And Kellen Mond is just like that. He had a really good first six games of the season, and towards the back half of the season, it just he wasn't the same. I'm going to say A&M goes one and two in those three road games, and I'm going to say they're one of maybe the best nine and three or eight and four team in the entire nation. I think that that ceiling for A&M continues to grow higher. Their facilities are top-notch. Jimbo Fisher can recruit, as Vince mentioned earlier. I think A&M, not this year, maybe next year, they're back in contention for the SEC West. I'll see. I'll I, they're going to win eight or nine games, like y'all said, but they're just – I don't buy the hype of them contending for the West. Okay, do y'all think that them beating uh, LSU – by the way, my favorite college football game last year, beating LSU at seven overtimes. Me, Blake, me and you were watching that at the Lighthouse Classic at one in the morning, watching it on our phones with 2% left. But it, best – one of the most entertaining college football games I've seen in years. Do you think that win kind of pushed A&M over the edge? Maybe not of – Okay, we're a contender, but just we are becoming one of the bigger one of the bigger teams in college football. Well, it certainly helped them create some more hype because all eyes in the nation were on that game that night, um, without a doubt. Because <laughs> it was the only one going it was on, the only one going on, and you won't ever have a repeat performance of that with the new overtime rules, unfortunately. Um, however, um, I, it couldn't have hurt. Certainly, all these SEC programs have so much money in their recruiting budget. You've got AM in the heart of Texas. Would, did that game push them over the edge in recruiting? Probably not. Did it hurt? No. Real quick, will you explain the new overtime rules? You, you're, you're a rules aficionado. You do a lot of officialing and, and refing of the sort. 
don't hold me to this. I forget what overtime it is, but after a certain, I think it may be after two overtimes, it may be three, so don't hold me to this. But instead of going through a full drive from the 25-yard line, they're going to go for two-point conversions until somebody ends up winning the game. So you will not have uh, that classic 6-7-8 overtime game anymore. That will be impossible. I'm not sure how I like that. It's still better than the NFL's overtime rules, but, you know. Uh, well, you know, we got the top ten left, but we're at 40 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say we, something we've about ar- that. We've already, you know, we've already talked about it with Blake. Uh, we want to do a JUCO football preview very badly. Blake will definitely be back on, you know, as the SID. He knows a lot, but even he said, wait a little bit, get more information on the teams in before we do that. So, Jackson, if you're right with it, we'll cut this right now. Okay. Next, the week after this one premieres, we'll do a the, full... top, the top ten breakdown. I, I can go with that for sure. All right. Well, Blake, thank you for being on this episode. You'll be right back, obviously. Jackson, we we all enjoyed it. For Jackson Finch, for Blake Long, I'm Peyton Taylor. Thank you all for listening. Have a blessed day. <laughs>